0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 262. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Emma Branham. And I'm Brett Roberts. Welcome along. Great to have you both here. Uh, Now Emma, maybe we can start with you. Where do you fit into this uh, world of uh, journalism and technology?
1: Well, I'm a journalist for TV3 and I like to mix a little bit of tech with a little bit of general news and I have an absolute passion for gadgets and robots.
0: And a lot of interest in robots, absolutely. (laughs) I remember that from CES in January. (laughs) Absolutely. You're hovering around that area looking at all the the cool robotics.
1: (laughs) Soon it won't be you anymore, Paul. You'll be a robot. This will be the future of the Tech Podcast.
0: That is a robot, if you look carefully. I, I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> Over to you, Ro- uh, B- Brett. Brett. Brett, sorry. <laughs> See? See?
1: Reboot. It must be fake.
2: Back to normal. Okay, yeah. Brett Roberts. <laughs> uh, what about me? I'm an Associate Director at um, Datacom here in Auckland, um, and I've been there for three or four months. I've been in the tech industry for probably 25 years or so. Love it. Madly passionate about technology. Not so much from the gadget perspective these days, but more from the... Um, Societal impact and potential, and just where things are going, everything from i don 't know renewable energy through to yeah, I guess the occasional gadget and things like that as well so
0: great yeah. well let's uh, let 's jump into our uh, topics uh, first up there 's a video that 's gone online. Uh, Tokyo police have been testing a new drone that will uh, carry a net. And will allow them to uh, basically chase after any drones that are flying where they shouldn't and take them out by capturing them in their, uh, in their net. What could possibly go wrong?
2: <laughs> right. Personally, I think it's a thinly veiled whaling thing, gadget. That's probably <laughs> yeah. what I'm guessing it is, um, given that there's too much of a coincidence, right? They're heading off to go whaling and they announce this. That's not a coincidence, but um, it's a novel idea.
1: It's quite strange how they're they're planning on making it work because apparently the police have loudspeakers, so they, they they use their loudspeakers to warn drone controllers in the area that they're flying in a in in the airspace. Any controlled airspace, yeah. And then if if the drone doesn't move, that's when they send up their own drone, apparently with a three meter by two meter net attached to it, which then brings the drone down in front of them so that they can arrest it and take it back to the station
0: it, Yeah, that's that's going to be fun, isn't it? These are
2: people with too much time on their hands, right? And and poor, you know, cognitive mechanisms as well. I suspect, but anyway, well,
0: they yeah. might not have the same uh, the same sorts of challenges as we have here in New Zealand, Brett. So uh, they're sitting around wondering what to <laughs> what to do with thumbs. their police force. So yeah. uh, We've that, got a couple th- of drones. So there's a net. Oh, what if? Yeah, I mean, if you were in the in the uh, Tokyo Police Department and you liked gadgets, um, you know that this would be the thing to be uh, having a bit of fun with. (laughs) I
1: did realise. uh, I did read that there was a a more serious sort of angle to it in in the sense that back in April, unless it was an April Fool's joke, um, a drone landed on I think the Prime Minister's building.
0: Well, we definitely had in the US, didn't we? We had a drone that uh, entered into. on the White House the white, lawn. white House uh, property, so I can yeah I can see that they might be concerned about mm. that sort of thing from a security perspective. So uh, yeah. it
2: just all I can picture, to be perfectly honest, is the opening sequence of Futurama. That's what I'm <laughs> envisaging. You know, <laughs> yeah. these, all these things in the air and drones with nets and I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a raging success. Mark my words. Put me down on record.
0: So, do you you think it's going to be useful in their uh, whaling endeavours? Yeah, I think it could be And now that's a different story, right? I think
2: that could work It would need to be really big drones and a really big net But they could be under something
0: (laughs) Actually, it would be curious to see how long the whale would last out of the water With, uh, you know, a drone on on each of four corners of a big net And uh, somehow they've managed to get it under a whale That's right uh, Of course, and then in the background
2: would be a Greenpeace drone So, yeah (laughs) That's where it's all gone though it probably wouldn't be four drones, would it? It would probably be about 4,000 drones or 40,000 drones <laughs>
0: right. trying to lift the whale.
2: Well, they've got those synchronised drones, right? Have you ever seen those videos? They're incredible, those autonomous drones. The tiny all ones. Together. That's yeah. very clever. So, you know, four, 500 million of those together and in, in a big net. Um,
1: of course, it is a problem that, you know, many countries are experiencing at the moment. And I think you're even coming up with some of the manufacturers now that are coming up with ways to, to stop the drones from entering certain areas. I think yeah. well, one of them's got a geofence yeah, it's in the firmware. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: In fact, mm. I think that's being passed. That's, that's co- law that's now in the, in the States US right? and I think, I think yeah. over there now, and they're about to require registration of all drone owners. Yeah, that's a new one.
0: That's big. That's huge. So it's, there's changes going on in every direction. Now, actually, I saw a video the other day that was a drone that could, as well as uh, you know, fly in the air, could also go underwater. And operate underwater, so that would be the one that you would need for these yeah. whales. Yeah, that's
2: yeah. You need uh, to gonna make
0: it's going to make that process a, a whole, whole lot easier.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're
0: on to something here. Write yep. this down. This is going to yeah. be good. All right, <laughs> Uh Next business endeavor. Thanks, Brett. Here to help. Now, chorus have been a little bit in the the media today with the uh, Commerce Commission's announcements that after what seems like decades, it's not not quite that long. Um, year or, or so, um, we've we've finally got sort of a ruling on what's happening with the, the price for uh, for copper uh, internet connectivity. And it's going up. It's going up. Is that a big surprise? It seems like the telcos aren't going to be too happy about that. No. All the
2: press releases I've seen today are the telcos saying it's bad and the chief executive of Chorus saying that he's delighted, so... Um, I don't know, can they appeal those things? I'm not sure. It'll just bounce back and forth. I think what might be interesting is who will be the first ISP that doesn't pass along the price increase. I think that's going to be the interesting thing to watch.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, there's been so much on this backwards and forwards over over you know, quite a long period. And there was talk about backdating and varying other bits and pieces. But uh, end, at the end of what we've come out with, it's uh, generally going to be price increases for... Uh, anyone who's on ADSL or VDSL internet connections by the looks of it. Yep. Um so uh you know from from one perspective that's just going to push people across to UFB but you know of course most people will probably start moving to UFB where where it's available anyway more and more and more. Uh the problem is for those that can't get UFB just yet because yeah. the project doesn't you know finish for uh, you know a few more years yet uh 2019 for the for the bulk and that last 5% I think you know keeps going a bit further than that
1: They're not going to backdate prices are they I don't think
0: No no so my review of it indicates that the the concept of um of a, of backdating has been uh, they've decided not to go ahead with that We just have to suck it up Yeah
2: or not depending on what the first I you know I think that's yeah Watch this space. I've got a few theories.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this... One of them will break ranks. We, we we had the... You know, we had that draft ruling, and then the prices sort of went up from that again. So, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure what internet providers were expecting out of this because they make a lot of noise in one direction or another. And... Yeah, I guess there's a lot at stake for everyone. There's, there's many millions of dollars at stake. Yeah, at, was it $120 at, million at a year? At stake, and so, if, you know, for Chorus, this is another $120 million yeah. a year in their pockets, which is a, a pretty large is, sum. Man. Over time, that's going to reduce, of course, because there'll be less and less people on uh, copper-based internet connections, on ADSL or, or VDSL, but uh, you know, f- for the at least the next you know five years or so, their, their customer base on that will be pretty strong. Yeah.
1: I think Internet New Zealand was saying we're the only country in the world that's actually putting up the price of, of copper.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and our prices aren't considered super cheap to, to start with. So, uh, yeah, I can I can understand some people not being very uh, very happy about it. All right, now, other subjects. uh, We've heard via the Wall Street Journal that apparently a few details on Samsung's next Galaxy phone uh, have leaked. The Galaxy S7 supposedly going to have 3D touch and uh, faster charging via... USB-C connector, which is the sort of connector we're starting to see on on most of the top new phones over over the last month or two anyway. These sort of leaks are always a little bit curious to me because it seems to be stating something that's virtually obvious. You know, we've got Apple's phones charge faster this time around, the newest phones from every other manufacturer do. Uh, the technology is there, any new phone is going to charge a bit quicker than last year's model the Lumia 950 we've, we've got here we'll talk about shortly, I plugged that in for a charge from very close to zero before and it you know was past 50% within under half an hour uh, so you know we, we're seeing that in these phones with quite big batteries and the fact that Apple have got their uh, you know, 3D touch, you would kind of expect Samsung to, to match that the technology's available, yeah. so Anything, uh, does this jump out at you, Brett, or is it? Is yeah, it, it jumps out at me that someone at the Wall Street Journal
2: realised there was a piece of column inches about this big that was blank and they needed to fill it with some dross. And so someone Googled dross and found a bit and they put it in there. <laughs> you know, um, new thing coming out will be about the same price as old thing it
0: replaces, might be a bit better. And we um, have excitement.
1: Are they trying to preempt announcements at CES as well? And, and you've also got the. Um
0: I don't know, because I mean, Samsung don't usually announce these things. Maybe somebody's got, has actually got some real info. And to be fair, Samsung aren't always the best at keeping it zipped uh, from, from, yeah, that's true. um, Things that I've heard, shall we say. It's one of the things I've always admired about
2: Apple. Man, those guys can keep things under wraps. And how how they they do that in an organization that size. I guess it's like death squads or something, but. Or they can just keep anything. Oh, right?
0: I'm not sure it's like death squads. No, no, we'll be, no I mean <laughs> real I, death squads. I think <laughs> it actually yes. actual death squads. Yeah, yeah. All right, now Brett, I want you to, you to tell us about what's happening in Woodland, North Carolina. I'm, I'm pleased you asked, actually, Paul. So in Woodland, Carolina, the uh,
2: citizens there have spoken pretty long and loud, and they've um, they've decided they've voted against installing um, solar panels in their in their town. I've got this not
0: cost-effective for them oh, this no. occasion?
2: Well, I'm not sure they got too overly concerned about the math because I'm not sure they could have coped with that. So, um, But what they have done is really gone down the path of, of logic and they're concerned that the solar panels could suck the energy out of the sun <laughs> and cause problems with photosynthesis. And you can tell this is based on pretty strong science here. <laughs> I've got a quote here. Um, let, me, let me see. Um, this is from... Is this a retired school teacher? Uh, no, no, science teacher. Oh, it could be. I'm not sure. But but one of the quotes here says, "Oh dear, hang on." It says, um, "All the young people are going to move out." Warned Bobby Mann, a local resident concerned about the future of his burg. Worse, Mann said, "The solar panels would suck up all the energy from the sun." But another resident, a retired school teacher no less or science teacher no less, expressed concern that a proposed solar farm would block photosynthesis and prevent nearby plants from growing. Jane Mann then went on to add that there seemed to have been a lot of cancer deaths in the area and that no one could tell her solar panels didn't cause cancer. I want more information, Mann said. Enough is enough.
1: Do you think it's a bit strange that they've both got the same surname?
2: There's probably only two people, right? That's what I've worked out from the story. There are two people that live in Woodland, North Carolina. They're probably the same person. I'm guessing with a little schizophrenia thing going on here, (laughs) um, that just needed a bit of publicity, and they've done very well because I've read their story out. But, yeah, so you can't fix stupid So was this published in The
0: Onion or was this... No, uh... it's not.
2: And and I think even The Onion would look at this and go, no, that's too stupid. We're not putting that on the front (laughs) page. But no, no, these people did. So there you go. Yeah. Hmm. I'm sure they'll
0: come around one day. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Or maybe not. I don't know. Now, we've got a new smartphone here that we talked about a long time ago contains some technology which Microsoft, I think, first talked about in a th- ago. concept of it probably in a, in a video a, a decade or, or, or so back, uh, one of their very futuristic sort of future forward thinking uh, videos. But now we have it it's uh, their Lumia 950 uh, first got to play with this and the Lumia 950 XL a, a little while back but finally we've got the the real deal it's uh, it's launched here in New Zealand not a gorgeous looking phone I've got to say it's very sort of utilitarian um, simple and you know black in terms of its casing it's yeah. not super stylish uh, you know s- steel or glass or anything like that Um but it has that uh, the unique ability to be able to be connected to a second screen and to display, uh, well, basically turn it into a mini mini PC of sorts. You
1: see, Paul, it's what's on the inside that counts.
0: <laughs> You're right, Emma. Mm. You're right. Um, but it's very cool. We had a bit of a play with it earlier, didn't we? And uh, yeah, you know, we've, th- we're firing up sort of Microsoft Office apps and so on yeah. onto the onto the big screen you can do it either wirelessly or through its dock so we we tried both Uh, the dock I guess if you were going to use it at your desk a lot if it was actually going to replace your PC would make some sense to keep your phone uh, charged up and to um, it gives you a display port connector and an HDMI connector and USB uh, ports Uh, so yeah that that would make some sense but it it seemed to work fine uh, wirelessly as well you'd be able to use a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse so if you weren't using that function a lot um, not too painful although I did, it took me a couple of tries to connect to uh, the Miracast connection before that worked uh, but then up it came and uh, looked really good and being linked to the cloud it immediately brought up you know, documents from um, from OneDrive for me and uh, they just opened straight up on the on the big screen, it was very nice.
2: Yeah I actually thought it was pretty cool to be honest, it's nicely implemented you know if you walk past the screen you could be forgiven for thinking it's full Windows 10, um, like you say all the documents popped up nicely, the screen of the phone becomes a trackpad when it's live. Um, I think it's actually a pretty neat implementation of technology. You know, it's, is it something that I'd use on a daily basis? Potentially not. Um, but the thing I think that's pretty cool, going back to this, you know, how technology impacts society, um, there's a lot of people out there, the main computing device they have is their phone. And I think, you know, the day that they can get larger, those things connected to larger screens and kids can use them as computing devices for school and education and stuff, um, Will be pretty cool. So I think that you know, as a technolo- technology add-on, is, is a is a good leap forward. It's taken a hell of a long time to get to market. I mean, I saw the demos, the videos when you did it. It's like I was a much younger man then.
0: Yes, you know? yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I and mean, we've had variations on it, of course, with uh, you know being able to take what's on your iPhone or your Android and and you know project it up onto a onto a screen. But this is this is a different yeah. approach where what goes up on the screen. Uh, apps that are designed to work in a full screen be run with a keyboard and mouse Uh, so for instance actually we tried to fire up Netflix didn't we and it came up with an error saying you know, look it's not actually designed to uh, to work in that so it would be it would only be limited to the uh, screen of the phone yeah now the, uh, I'm sure you can probably still use the traditional things that will just mirror your phone screen up onto the onto the uh, big TV and that would allow you to see Netflix but it wouldn't give you that be uh, yeah, a keyboard and mouse type uh, interface that we were we were using on the TV yeah
2: no I thought it was pretty cool actually and not I, you know it's not the most gorgeous phone, but I've seen a lot that are
0: far uglier. So, and, it's and what's got, on the inside is important, and it's it is. It's got a decent battery. It's got a yeah. really good, really good camera. You know, shooting you know four K, you know ultra high definition video, uh, and that's certainly an area where the Lumia uh, phones from Microsoft and, and previously uh, you know Nokia always stood out. Their top end ones were with the cameras. So yeah, it's good, and it's the first uh, phone that we've seen with uh, with Windows Ten. in it. So uh, Windows 10 Mobile, I think they're calling it, something like that. They keep changing the name. (laughs) Uh, but uh, That's Microsoft trying to (laughs) find their feet. They're never quite sure how to brand things and uh, uh, most of their brand names don't work very well. uh, So they they try another one. No, (laughs) And put Service Pack on the end of it.
2: Um, If I was them, given that they've got a pretty small market share, I'd go to market and market them as cameras with phone technology built into them. Give that a crack. Can't make it any worse. Well,
0: yeah, they keep trying all sorts, don't yeah. they? So um, because they're damn good cameras. Well, there's a suggestion that their Surface products are doing so well that uh, uh, 2016 will be the year of the Surface phone. Yeah. And uh, maybe that will look look a little bit more stylish because their Surface products certainly seem to have the uh, the style. Yeah, they do uh, Side working pretty well. So. Maybe that will work for them. What do you think of these, Emma? Is this the sort of thing that you know, might be useful around in the media, and the newsroom, being able to sort of have your computer with you all the time? And you know, not,
1: Definitely. Yeah. I, mean, I think it just sort of streamlines the whole process. It means you don't have to lug so many gadgets about. I, I think the look of it wouldn't matter to most professionals. I think if you're marketing it to the masses, then it is fugly unfortunately mm. um the camera I, th- I mean that is a big selling point isn't it because most people nowadays want r- they only use their smartphone yeah. for taking photos so mm. from that point of view it would be good
0: i don't know about the ugly thing i, th- I th- it.
1: it's mm, no okay mm, it's not beautiful but that probably doesn't matter
2: <laughs> i think my mother used to say that, that um it has a face only a mother could love, isn't it? The, the expression. Yeah. All right, to all right. That. It's not
0: that bad. People <laughs> listening to this, it's really not that bad. <laughs> um, the display on it is actually really, really nice, super, super sharp, uh, and yeah, nice and bright, and all that that side of it. So, technically, very capable, but it's not as uh, as stylish as a new Samsung or Apple or you know and HTC etc.
1: S- sizing of it's quite good, isn't it? Is that five point two inch screen?
0: Yeah, so you've got uh, options between the uh, five point two and I think five point seven for the uh, the nine hundred and fifty XL, the biggest bigger screen one. So yeah, not bad. Eleven hundred and forty nine dollars is their launch price, uh, and then you pay for your dock on top if you want that as well. Um, so it's up there with all the other yeah top top finds from manufacturers. Now, uh, a new projector. I got an email last week about Sony's new 4K projector, and I've really been looking forward to seeing some 4K projectors uh, in the market here. I think I first saw one at Consumer Electronics Show maybe two years ago. Uh, And, yeah, I was looking forward to getting sent one of these things to have a play with, and then I got the email this week to say, hey, Sony have got their new 4K or ultra-high-definition home cinema projector. And quite a lot cheaper than one of the previous models, which when I looked online, uh, one of their previous models was, uh, was in the market in New Zealand for $250,000. <laughs> I thought that was rather curious. that so You could go and buy one of those from the Sony store. Uh, but no, this one comes in at a much more reasonable price. It's a 5,000 lumen, so it's reasonably bright. $73,990. Would you buy that for your home cinema, Brett?
2: I will buy an ultra-high-def 4k projector when they cost 4k yeah yeah that seems reasonable no no i probably won't buy that for my home theater setup
0: no no probably it's not. a lot of money isn't it It's a lot of money and
1: i'm more the smartphone projector i mean that's this it's about as much as i can afford
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was really curious because i am a big fan of projectors i do like not having a tv sitting on the wall and being able to project an image and it i don't know it just feels quite cinema like and my existing high definition you know projector is is good but i thought yeah it could be nice to go uh, 4k but looking at looking at this price astounded me because if you want similar specifications but full high definition rather than the ultra high definition uh, you are talking less than a tenth of the price for well wow, yeah, that's mo- quite a gap, most, isn't most it? of the models yeah. so uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a big premium. So I, I don't know how Sony are going to go with selling these, but I'm sure there will be some uh, some homes around New Zealand that will you know and Australia that will uh, that will end
2: up with these maybe. Yeah, um, look, my guess is that Noel Leeming's don't have container loads of these things waiting
0: on the dock for Christmas. That's my just gut feel on this. D- Dick, Dick Smith might. <laughs> they seem to get get caught with uh, with stock of uh, of product they can't sell that then devalues and ruins their profitability. Apparently, so I heard. <laughs> Um, I'm not passing comment. All right, now, also in the news today, the much-rumoured announcement from Vic Crone, who um, we've known for the last, well, between one and two years, I think, as the uh, managing director... Of zero locally, the New Zealand managing director. She stepped across there from marketing role at Chorus previously. That she is uh, stepping down from Zero and is going to be uh, contesting Auckland Meralty. She is. Uh is keen to sort of take reins there. Brett, what's your thoughts on this? You've been around this uh, tech community for for a while. You must have come across uh, Vic over the years.
2: Actually, actually, I haven't, but I I know a bunch of people at Zero, and they hire really smart people. So she's really, really smart. I'm guessing she's got the financial backing. She's going to step down from her role, so she's got the focus. Um, you know, whereas Phil Goff is still going to be an MP until he's mayor or not, and he's going to figure that out you know um, so I don't think as many Aucklanders you know nowhere near as many Aucklanders will know her as they do Phil Goff but um, I suspect that she'll have some good backers that can maybe fix the um, awareness side of things well she's stepping down right now yeah um,
0: I think that's a clever move right that's good, that's good. that must be very important yep. for, for her profile Emma what's your thought on that you know that profile thing versus you know Phil Goff very well known and Vic Crone, who yes, we know her within the business and the tech community, but more broadly she's not very well known.
1: I think she might struggle without a huge amount of money being thrown at the campaign. But what a great choice if you're if you're going to choose somebody to go up against Phil Goff, Somebody that's, you know, fairly young still, is, is very vibrant, fresh and full of ideas and especially from an Auckland Point of view that's what yeah. you're really looking for somebody to come in and and change shake it up a bit really be be disruptive
0: yeah i mean it's certainly got to be good i would have thought for uh, for the for the region to to have that freshness of, of ideas that she brings she certainly un- understands the need for us to become an economy that relies a lot more on uh, you know on technology and exporting and so on i you know, don 't quite know how that fits in from a mayoral perspective. I know it 's important from a central government perspective to really to really get that um, but yeah, I, th- uh, I think it 's pretty important to have somebody that you know th- this is a city that 's
2: choking itself to death with traffic we 've got housing issues there 's a whole bunch of issues that so- some of those are, are potentially technologically solvable, um, and I think if nothing else, having somebody that Um, obviously has a a technology background and brain, but actually uh, the connections into that community, um, I think that's a very good thing. I'm not sure that a lot of, you know, I mean, a great example is we seem to be building lots and lots and lots of highways still and roads and bits and pieces, and in 20 years' time, they'll probably be near empty and, you know, there'll be autonomous vehicles running up and down them. Now, you know, are we really thinking 20 years into the future? You know, I think she could bring a lot of great thinking around that. And I think, if nothing else, having a really strong middle-right candidate to counter Phil Goff is a good thing just for the process, you know, the democratic process overall. Um, it will be an interesting race if she's stepping down now from her role to start, you know, she announced yesterday, I think it was. Gives her the better I'm, part of the year, right? I'm guessing she's not going to sit and twiddle her thumbs for the next year. You know, there'll be something out of the gates fairly soon. And, and that awareness part, I, I would imagine is one of the first things going to address. Watch for a really slick... PR, blogging, social campaign. Because I know, remember when uh, before Zero went public, Rod Drury did an incredibly good job of that. You know, building the profile of that company from nothing to to you know where it was on on the day it listed. You know, she, I bet she's got a bunch of really good contacts.
1: And funding that campaign might not be too difficult, after all.
2: No. Mm.
0: Yep, I'm sure there'll be there'll be a, stock options. There'll be, there'll be one, or, one, or, one or two backers for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, we also wanted to have a little bit of a chit chat around being this time of year, getting in towards Christmas. Uh, what sorts of things that people might be interested in uh, in buying? Little uh, little gifts now. Emma, you have one or two sort of favourite things that you've played with this year that you think might make good gifts?
1: I do, I do. Unfortunately, cool gadgets are never cheap, um, but I think that there's so many fun things out there at the moment. I mean, it really depends on, on who you're trying to buy for, you know? For, for example, for kids, I love that BB-8 robotic ball, that Sphero ball that, that looks like BB-8 yeah. out of the new Star Wars film. What a fantastic toy to play with, and it's something that you can imagine kids playing with. You can also imagine their dads trying to steal it off them, that kind of thing. And you can also operate it. If you've got an Apple Watch, you can use an app on your watch to uh, you can put it on your watch to to um, drive the ball remote um, by remote control. So it's pretty cool. So that was one of my picks. I think if you're um, still trying to look for presents for for kids or adults, I'd say that's one of my favourite.
0: And the good, the good thing about tech-oriented gifts for kids is that they can actually play a pretty important part from an educational perspective, can't they? Even if they don't seem like they're particularly educational, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot that people learn from, uh, from getting their hands on these things. Absolutely. Am I right? or am i am I just pretending that no, you 're kidding that's yourself but, but, I, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the
2: conviction with what you with which you did so was impressive, so yeah, yeah. No, those those rock that they are impressive, just the technology of how those things work there's a there 's an article online i stumbled across a while back about what 's inside them and how they work, yeah, absolutely incredible,
1: you know just amazing stuff and I do think it does get kids very interested in coding and I, I think I think from an educational point of view I mean, it depends what you go out and buy but from an educational point of view these toys they do help
2: yeah, I t- I'll tell you um, I recently bought for my youngest son an um, Arduino kit from mindkits.co.nz mm-hmm. awesome awesome um, resource for that stuff um, and he's one of those guys that he's 16 he can just get it hands on kind of guy he doesn't read the manuals like like most males what he could do with that blew my socks off. Absolutely incredible. For a $100 kit, you know, gave him something to do, think about things, read about how to do things, go and find bits of code on the web, jam it together, it doesn't work, figure out why, you know, fix those bits, run the code again. Incredible learning experience mm. and, and cheap as chips. Ab- you know, those those kits are really cool there's, and there's a bunch of them now that you can plug the bits and pieces together. You don't have to worry about being able to Wield a soldering iron and things like that
1: And some of those kits. I mean, I I saw is it the Kano or Kano, the build it um, build it yourself computer, Um, some of the primary schools have been using them, That you know, it doesn't come with instructions, literally the teacher would hand it over to the kids (laughs) and they'd be confronted by all these parts, and they would figure it out, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite amazing
2: Well that was the one laptop per child thing Um, remember that initiative a few years ago, they uh, took a whole bunch of those devices into some village somewhere in Africa or whatever it was and literally left them in boxes and just left them behind and then went back. I guess, you know, anthropologists just playing around. Um, and these kids eventually worked out, you know, how to open the box and how to fire them up and charge them up and how to get them going, just left to their own devices, right? Humans yeah. mm. are pretty damn smart. It's pretty yeah, it's cool. true. It's yeah. true, yeah.
0: Anything else? on Some other that?
1: choices. Well, for camera enthusiasts, um, you could go for something like the GoPro Hero 4. That's a pretty... Um, good version of, of the, you know, the very familiar, very popular GoPro. It's smaller, it's squarer, it's lighter, and very, very easy to use. That's
0: yeah, I think we, we're getting more and more choices, aren't we, on the on the camera front? And uh, the technology just keeps improving. Yeah. It's, it's kind of. It's kind of one of those things where it would have been easy sort of a few years ago to think that there wasn't a whole lot of new technology to expect in cameras because cameras have been around for so long and it's all tied to the lenses and so on. But actually, the the tech innovation around cameras has been pretty astounding.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's that classic thing of the, the price goes down exponentially, the performance goes up, capability goes up exponentially, and you start getting, I mean, you know, the camera chips that are in GoPros, broadcasters would have paid tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars for 10 years ago. You know, it's just incredible how quickly those things race ahead. There's a great, just as an aside, I read this great quote a while back about how they were interviewing some guy who was in charge or involved in building the Space Shuttle um, avionics systems, and he mentioned in passing that they would, when they were doing the design of the Space Shuttle nav systems, they would have happily paid $100 million for the accelerometers that are in an iPhone today, right? It just, you know, it's amazing. The other thing, too, with the GoPros is there's a bunch of clones out there now, and they're pretty darn good, some of them. You know, they're a hundred and something bucks a pop. They're almost a disposable item if you happen to come off your skateboard and wreck them. You know, they're getting cheaper and cheaper.
0: Yeah, there are definitely um, you know, a bunch of other other options yeah. at you know varying price points and you know differing features
1: I'm talking about getting cheaper and cheaper I noticed the Samsung VR headsets come down in price hasn't it Paul
0: Yes $199 now so for those with a uh, was it a Galaxy Note 5 or a Samsung S6 one of the the variants of that uh, yeah $199 to get a virtual reality headset which uh, yeah, it's a little bit more than the the low cost cardboard versions, but they're, uh, they're they're a little bit more useful too.
1: It's still impressing the masses in the malls when you go along and you see their little stands. You know, the kids just flock to them; they really do. And they're coming out with some quite good games and things that you can.
0: Comes really down flock. to the content, doesn't it? Yeah, it mm. does. Have you seen Eight Eye?
2: 8 the digit 8 I, dot letter I, letter com. It's a Kiwi startup based in Wellington, doing some amazing stuff. Around I have come VR. across
0: their stuff, but I, yeah, I wasn't sure where wow. to, where I placed it from. Yeah, go, okay. go and have a look at what they're up to. Yeah, yeah. cool, cool. Uh, anything else jumping out there, Emma?
1: Oh, let me see. For the homes, for the for the connected home or the smart home, um, the Ring doorbell. That's quite a nifty little device, and I think um, I, I think I interviewed you. For a story I did on the ring earlier this year actually Paul to do with the connected home but yeah. this is the doorbell that you literally stick on your front door it's connected to your smartphone, somebody comes up presses the doorbell and you can see who, who's at your door, you can, you can talk to them you can tell them to go away
0: and they don't know whether you're actually in the they house know. or not because you're talking over your smartphone so you could be anywhere in the world that's right well, you <laughs> could be saying I'm going to come down there and don't you know, make me come down there <laughs> <laughs> be good for the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> And I mean there is there are so many of these things that are that are that are coming through. Um one of the ones actually that I've been using uh over the last few months is the now what does Spark call their new um it's uh, popped out oh, my here more, more, more pork, pork. yeah. yeah. That's right. So they were kind enough to send me one to trial earlier on in the year and I've been playing with that. Now I did do some damage. One of the sensors that was attached to the door, uh I don't know, did I slam the door or something? But it uh uh, the the thing unclipped and came off. That's right. They're sending me another one of those. Uh, it might actually just be the battery needs replacing. This is why um, I don't loan you anything. <laughs> I'll never loan you anything. All right. <laughs> and what else did we do? Ah, uh, apparently we got uh, the unit. We got was well, I guess it was probably pre-launch, and the um the the sticky stuff that they give you with them wasn't quite as sticky as the final uh, version. They were trying to find that right balance between something that would tear all your paint off uh, when you removed it and something that was sticky enough to hold the sensors in place. And so, yeah, one of the other ones, which actually gives you an option to screw it on, which is the the full... Um, Motion sensor and camera to go, you know, in the main room, such as in the lounge. Um, that the stickiness wasn't enough to sort that, so uh, I've got to screw that one back up. But um, <laughs> but the technology is good, and I think they're still doing their uh, half price deal because they launched these at thousand dollars. Which when I looked on online at what the varying bits and pieces were, I mean, it didn't seem you know like an outrageous price for what you were getting. You do have to pay that monthly subscription to use yeah. it, uh, but this time of year where people are going away on holiday and so on that idea of having a bit of a smarter environment and that combination of a camera with the motion sensors and door sensors which uh, in New Zealand has been reasonably hard to get in terms of as a as a just you know a packaged solution Uh, lots of people offering this in the U.S. um, but seemed quite good so um, yeah that is one thing that people might want to consider at this time of year
1: talking about connected devices one that I've yet to try out is the Daniel Boone grill Which is a heated smoker, which you can operate. You know, you can adjust the the settings. Bluetooth attached, isn't
0: it? (laughs) Yeah, you can can control it from your smart (laughs) smartphone. Yeah, from another country, you can control the barbecue at your house. Yeah, Yeah, that could be uh, could be curious, couldn't it? I've heard of situations where uh, relationships broken up, and uh, the other partner's sort of still got control on their uh, smartphone, and making the house very, very hot as they've turned up the, <laughs> you know, turned up the heat in the home, and so on. Uh, so you could be messi- messing with the barbecue as well. So there are more it's and perfect. more, more and more things that uh, you know, perfect, perfect for bunny boilers can be done. Yeah. Um, yes. Now couple of things that i saw last week and get this high-tech company kmart you might have heard of them um so <laughs> go to place for gadgets yeah well they had all these sort of really super cheap little gadgety things so more you know the stocking filler end of the scales but they had a little bluetooth selfie stick so you can you know selfie stick but with a little bluetooth button so you can remote control it was twelve dollars uh, bluetooth wireless speaker fifteen dollars you're going to get what you pay for here folks but uh, you know something for the kids a little uh, one of those mini uh, uh, camera tripods with a clip on it for a smartphone uh, what was that it was about uh, $10 and the other thing which wasn't there but that it, that can be quite good are the little the portable charges which are quite good at this time of year when you're yeah. you know you're away at the beach and whatnot, and you still want to be able to you know take some photos or uh, you know Browse the browse they the web. They
1: are a great stocking filler, actually. Yeah,
0: very handy. So Ones with the solar panels are good. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah.
1: I don't think I've seen one yeah, with yeah. a
0: solar panel. Yep. Yep.
2: They take a while to charge probably up. They probably take a long time to charge and up. And you, you wouldn't use them in North Carolina,
0: obviously. <laughs> but
2: everywhere else, they're awesome. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, anything else that you either of you wanted to uh, to recommend as uh, little? suggested uh, purchases at this time of year for people. Have those drones come out, the
2: ones that um, follow you when you're doing an activity? They actually... Ah, they, were, they were launched halfway. on Kickstarter.
0: I yeah. think they're due maybe early in the new year. They were, they, it is around this time. It yeah. was something... That would be pretty cool. I'd get one yeah. of those
2: just to watch me having gin and tonic on the deck. That'd be. It'll just float around. Just the around. Yeah. And then when you walk down the
0: street it'll follow Until you. Until a couple of drones come along with a net and screw the whole thing up. Well, but the yeah. problem is in New Zealand, though, and I guess this is what we'll see more and more of is the legislation, so in terms of where you can yeah. actually use that. So we're a little bit more limited in terms of some of the locations.
2: Well, quite, where, where we live down in, um, just on the outskirts of Tauranga in the country, um, someone a year or so back was flying a drone around there over someone's property. It crashed, and they went to the person's place and effectively had the, can we have our ball back, please, conversation, except it was for the drone, uh, and the person said no. Wouldn't let them on the property to recover it. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. So there's all these inter- – you know, it's okay when you kick your $20 soccer ball over. That's yeah. one thing. When it's your $1,500 drone, it's an entirely different It's a bit of a different
0: yeah, – yeah, a bit of a different discussion. Um, the, the, probably quite important to have relevant insurance in place, huh? Yeah, yeah. Probably Actually, that's a good point. One, and I think I might have mentioned this to you a while
2: back, but one of the good things about um, – the stuff that's going on around drone legislation in New Zealand is that um, Civil Aviation and Callaghan Innovation are in the same building in Wellington. Yes. There's a bunch of people at Callaghan that are very involved in the in the drone technology stuff here, quite leading-edge stuff. So there's a lot of um, running up and down the stairs or on the elevators to go and have conversations, which is quite a cool thing, really. That's the industry shaping and driving the legislation that's needed. Um, in a very agile fashion, I guess, mm. which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, and, and very cool. Um, I think you'll probably find that some of what's happening here in New Zealand around legislation, how you strike a balance between what hobbyists want, what the commercial world wants, and what civil aviation authorities need, I think you'll find some of that will probably find itself elsewhere. You know, will will flow out of New Zealand because they've worked on that stuff so quickly and in, in such a agile, you know, quick go to market fashion.
1: Yep. And there are some great uses for that technology nowadays as well. I mean, I I did a story about a week and a half ago with the police in in the Waikato that are using drones now, or they will be over the the summer months, um, over over the scene of a traffic accident so that they can map out the area, they can work out very quickly where they need to close roads, divert traffic, that kind of thing. It's just fascinating.
2: It is, isn't it? And and again, if we were talking about drones three years ago, they were $10,000, and now you go where was I the other day? Harvey Norman. I've got a display case of, I don't know, five or six of them and the most expensive ones probably fifteen hundred bucks and they're probably better than the ones that were ten K two or three years ago just amazing
1: in in terms of christmas presents actually for teenagers i think the parent mini drones are quite good and they range in price from about 179 through to about i think 350 400 dollars and they're just great to play with you know and that's the sort of thing that the whole family can have a bit of fun with although i i i try and stay clear of things like drones because i'm just i can't fly anything without crashing it you know even in the days where you used to get the tiny little remote control helicopters Nobody
0: to, could fly those. No, no. I used to break everything. Yeah, I mean, the the, the decent drones are a lot better. And in uh, fact, you mentioned Parrot. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're sort of next level up in terms of uh, drones, are, you know, are quite good, actually, in terms of being able to keep quite stable. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, you move up into those higher-end ones. They definitely are. Um, Now, one word of caution, though, for people, um, and I just read this story the other day. I'm not sure Oh, is this the one about the child? Uh, Yeah. Um, So I'm not not sure if we covered that on the podcast, but uh, there was somebody that did something that I've done myself, and they were flying their little drone around inside and uh it caused some irreparable damage to a child's eye mm. so uh you know just just be careful with these uh these they gadgets are effectively flying razor blades right yeah yeah when you, yeah so um you do just need to be cautious and until i heard that story yeah. um we won't give any more graphic detail but uh, until i heard it i hadn't probably thought through those potential uh con- consequences yeah. um so yeah worth are uh worth thinking about That's it. so
2: christmas day Drone and half a bottle of champagne. Just, just be careful. Right? You know
1: it's going to top the list of Christmas accidents. You know, it well, yeah.
2: it'll be it'll be on that that story that all the news outlets run early in the year. Out. Most yeah. common accidents over yeah. the holiday period. It'll yeah. be one of those. Yeah. 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 So take it
0: outside and fly it into a tree or something where it'll get stuck. <laughs> it's right. at least uh, or my neighbour's you know, place because he won't give it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So now, um, just one story. I will quickly call out. Uh, we spoke some weeks ago. A little bit about Microsoft and how disappointing it was that they announced this unlimited uh, storage on their uh, their OneDrive. And then sort of moments after we uh, we mentioned that, we called them out. I think it had been about a year since they'd announced it and we hadn't come across anybody. They'd been given their unlimited storage. Then they basically turned around and said, oh, we're no longer doing that. Oh, and by the way, we're cutting back the amount of storage that we're giving to uh, people for free on OneDrive as well. Well, they've now admitted that the way they covered that wasn't wasn't probably the most ideal way. It looked like they were they were blaming users for their issues. So they've done a, a, a an apology of sorts, and they've given an option for those people that are using OneDrive the free storage. There's a if you Google this, you can now opt in uh, if you do this uh, before the end of January. And you'll retain that original 15 gigs worth of uh, free storage that you used to have rather than the 5 gigs that they're squeezing it back to. And uh, there was also some extra storage that they'd given away to people that you'll also be able to keep. So we'll uh, just mention that one as well. Yeah, PR debacle, is that the term you're looking for? Yes. Um, something, PR misstep. Some, yeah, something Microsoft have been known to do from, yeah. from, from time to time. I could imagine uh, all the um, phone calls when that... Yeah, just imagine. Um, Yes, but anyway, yes. So I think that's that's us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Now, will you catch us again next week? This might be. This is almost our last episodes for the year. I'll leave it at that. There is there is something more uh, coming. So, uh, and for those that are that are kind of curious about this whole podcasting thing, then definitely go and uh, check out the Asia Pacific Podcast Conference coming February twelfth and thirteenth. Get yourself in and uh, registered for that if you're curious. APAC apacpodcasts.com is the site to, uh, to look that up. Now, Brett, where do we track you down online? Uh, probably Twitter is the best place, at Brett Roberts. Excellent. Nice and easy. Emma, you're a bit of a, a tweeter as well.
1: A little bit of a tweeter. I, I use it more for stalking other people and looking up stories than actually tweeting myself, but at Emma Branham.
0: And if people have got sort of story ideas for TV3, can they tweet you as well?
1: They can tweet me or they can phone the newsroom, they can email me, they can hound me as much as they like if they've got stories.
0: And you'll probably be on leave over the break a little bit or are you uh, you do a bit of work?
1: Having a little bit of a holiday this year, but unfortunately I am working on Christmas Day. I'm on weather on Christmas Day, so okay, I'll try okay. and make it... Um,
0: Nice weather for everyone. No oh, rain. Oh, that would be great uh, because I'm sure at that sort of time there's not always that much uh, interesting news. So if anyone you know comes across anything very cool, then uh, you know they will, they'll be wanting to uh, call their story in one way or another.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's us. Uh, you can track me down online, uh, Paul Spain on Twitter. Uh, feel free to hit me up on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn as well. If you add me on LinkedIn, nice to have a little note knowing. Um, that you're a podcast listener, always helpful. Um, but that's us for this week. Thank you, everyone. We'll catch you again. It will be next week. All right. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology.
1: Proactive and strategic IT.